You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another frustrated, uh, disappointed, and bewildered episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers get blasted in Lincoln, Nebraska, 86-70, to 70, uh, in a game where, you know, Indiana resumed Big Ten play, but didn't come ready to win a Big Ten game. It started from the very beginning of the game with sloppy turnovers and inattentive defense, and it just kind of seemed to get worse and worse uh, as it went. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering, you know, hey, you know, why, you know, why are you sounding so pessimistic? Indiana's 10 and 3, 2 and 0 in conference play. And the reason why there were still notes of pessimism, despite the okay record, is that for a lot of us, a performance like this, a game like this, was kind of predictable based on how Indiana had been playing on a possession by possession basis. And this Nebraska team, they're not great, but they're good. And they're good enough to take advantage of a team that isn't ready to fight and play smart and bring focus on the road. And that's what we saw from Indiana tonight. And Nebraska was ready to take advantage. They did, and they kicked Indiana's butt up and down the court uh, to the tune of a 16-point victory. It drops Indiana to 10-4 uh, and four on the season, 2-1 and one in conference play. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni, Andy Bottoms. And Ryan Phillips, uh, who was just so pleased with Indiana's play that he decided to jump on here for the first segment when he wasn't even scheduled to, which is always nice to uh, nice to have. Um, anyway, let's start this show the way that we start every show. That is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. I promise I won't take too long with this. Uh, not much to choose from. I'm just going to go in the second half. Indiana down 55-44, and Malik Renew hits an open three in the corner. It was a really nice pass from Gabe Cups. It cut it to 55-47. It was kind of the one point in the second half. Half, you know, where it felt like, hey, Indiana might have something here. Unfortunately, the next possession, Malik gave up a three uh, to Williams, then he traveled. Uh, you know, Nebraska would push the lead back out and eventually go up by 20 plus. But the reason I'm calling for this as the banner moment is Malik Renew was two for three from downtown, continuing his hot three point shooting. I don't know what his season percentage is now, but it's got to be close to 50%. And on the, on the game, Indiana goes nine of 18 from three point range. So, you know, the the kind of the gains that we've been seeing, the improvement in terms of percentage from three-point range over the last few games at least continued tonight. Now, nothing else went well, but at least that is one thing if we can carry it forward, maybe some confidence from the shooters, uh, you know, guys like Malik, he's just going to be more difficult to handle for opposing defenses if he can step out and hit that shot he continued to tonight. Uh, and so on a night when there weren't many choices for the banner moment, that is the one that I am going to go with. All right, let's talk now about our presenting sponsor. Our banner moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season, sponsoring the Assembly Call, and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And as you know, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. And since IU is their flagship school, it means that you should pay extra attention to their Twitter feed and their text messages and their emails and their app because they're always coming out with new stuff. And when they do come out with new stuff, two things are going to be true. One, Indiana's probably going to be in the first group. And two, it's probably going to sell out real fast. So you want to make sure that you're getting notifications when that new stuff comes out. 
And it's not just Indiana. They've got over 140, 150 different schools with just incredible gear for all of it. I saw, I think Ryan retweeted a picture uh, today or yesterday of Mina Kimes of ESPN wearing the Washington bomber jacket, which just looked awesome. And now I kind of wish I had ordered that uh, to wear for Monday for the national championship game. But home field apparel, they've got something for everybody. If you're looking to drown your sorrows from tonight's game, do it with some online retail. Why not? Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME23. That will get you 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Coach, we will start with you. It is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Well, it's... It's just a, a tough night to be an Indiana Hoosier fan. It's just not a, a good performance. Uh, you cannot win on the road. Winning on the road is tough. When you don't bring your A, B, C, or D game, uh, it's really difficult to, to win on the road. Uh, there, are, there are no excuses uh, for playing the way they did. There are some reasons. You have a point guard who hasn't played for a while, Wears, who played really well, I thought, but was extremely gassed throughout big portions of the game, coming back off a of major, major illness. But this is the team that Indiana is. Uh, and, and I think all of us need to understand it's an average team at best. Uh, the outliers are going to be those games like when you compete and play well against Kansas. And maybe if you win at, against Ohio State at home, the home games with a lot of juice are probably the outliers. This is more of what we probably should expect going forward uh, with the with the scheme, the execution, uh, the, the mental toughness. Uh, it's been 14 games, and even in the games that Indiana's won, we've seen major stretches of this type of play. At some point, it, it is who you are. Um, and so now you just got to keep working. And, and I know that's going to be said in the postgame, and everyone's going to be mad about it. And, and there's a level of truth. You, you, ha- you don't quit. Uh, but this team is, is not performing well. It's not even remotely close to being consistent and and in all phases of of the game. And, and until then you're going to get beat on the road. You're going to get beat at home by teams that do bring a better and more consistent effort. And that's what, what happened tonight. It just kind of steamrolled after the first five minutes I thought was okay play. And then it just went downhill from there, but very few people played well. Um, you know, the, and so you got to question what was done getting ready for the game, but we've seen this on the road before, uh, and, and you just got to take care of business at home and hope you can find something uh, to perform a little bit better when you go back on the road. I think it's Rutgers or or whatever we have next. Rutgers, yep. Um, you know, you got one on the road. You've got to try to get four or five. So you lost an opportunity tonight. An opportunity to get a quad one win is basically what what happened. And you have a home game that is now a very, very, very vital game on Saturday. Yeah, and we traditionally play great at Rutgers, so this will work out well. (laughs) Uh, Well, Ryan, why don't you just go? You jumped in. Just take us away. Uh, All right. Um, Tonight was a complete program failure. I get what you're saying, Coach, and that, you know, this team just isn't very good, you know, uh, but this team has enough talent to beat Nebraska on the road. And what happened was the team came out completely flat and unprepared and had no answers. And, 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 and when I say complete program failure, I'm putting on the players too. I mean, they had 19 turnovers. The coaches, the coaching staff didn't have those 19 turnovers. Um, the lack of effort at times, Malik Renault turning his back on Tominaga and just running away from him while he had the ball. I mean, that's just, that's mental stuff that you, you know better, but the problem I have with this team is the same problem I have had with the program for three years. 
and it's this. With Indiana was down 14 with 11.41 left in the second half in the game. They were 5 of 12 from 3. That's 41.7%. You should shoot more if you're hitting 41%. Five minutes later, they were down 20 and had not shot another three-pointer. Now, late, they started firing when it didn't matter anymore. And in the second half, they finished 7 of 10 from 3. Why are you only shooting 10 three-pointers if you're down a ton and you're making them? For the game, they were 9 of 18. That's 50%. Shoot more. The problem with this team, and I mentioned on Twitter, is... On the perimeter, when guys reverse the ball or catch the ball, they are flat-footed. Other than Mackenzie Mbako, and uh, and and Alex Bozich point that, pointed that out, and he's absolutely correct. Mackenzie Mbako catches the ball ready to shoot. Everybody else catches the ball flat-footed and looks to get rid of it or pass it or dribble in place or exchange with somebody else. Nobody is aggressive on the perimeter. Nobody catches it and looks, I can shoot this. And the reason why is because they have had it drilled into him, into them that everything in this offense has to go through the post. And if you look at the scheme, watch this game back. Khalil Ware had 20 points. I thought he played a great game once he had the ball in his hands. The problem is the scheme did not get him those 20 points. What got him those 20 points is Khalil Ware being a fabulously talented player and being taller than the guys guarding him. He got lobs from Manu over the top. And thank you, Andy. Uh, Andy with a very funny comment in our chat. Um, and the others were he would get the ball in the middle of the floor and just shoot it over the guy behind him. How many times did he just have an open path to the basket or a really isolated one-on-one look? Nebraska doubled the post, fronted the post as well, making it very difficult for the for the um, for, for Indiana's post guys to catch the ball. And when they did catch it, boom. Double team. So what do you need? If you're getting double team in the post, it means somebody's open. The problem is you have two sophomore post players who have never had to do this before and never had to navigate a, a, a double team. And their the results were mixed at best and mostly bad. Mike Woodson's offensive system is about scoring two-pointers, which is fine. But you have to respect the power of the three-point shot and drill it into these guys that they need to make it. And that just doesn't happen in this program. The only time this offensive system has worked is when you had an All-American in a post in the post and a lottery pick at point guard. That's not going to happen every year. And so you're looking at a stalled offensive system that is not terribly difficult to guard. And if this, and I, I've heard people tell me the system's fine, it's the players. If the system is so great, why is nobody else in college basketball running it? It's a it's a unique situation that is post heavy, and when a team can guard the post as Nebraska largely did tonight, there's no answer from Indiana. And when they finally do start shooting threes, hey, they made them, and they, but it was too late to do anything. So that's my problem. Is this is not a balanced system. It is not a system that is good for is good enough for Indiana to win consistently, and that's a problem, especially when the defense fails the way it did tonight. And you guys can get into that later, but. I just, I don't understand the point. I don't understand how we're watching our third year of this. The problems are exactly the same and they're not getting solved and nobody seems to have an answer for it. Okay. Andy, your bottom's line on tonight's performance. Well, first of all, I'll just share with everybody the comment I put in the chat. I will not watch this game back and Ryan <laughs> or anyone else will not make me. Um, but I mean, just a, a litany uh, of issues. You could talk guard play. The, you know, Woodson has talked about that apparently already on the on the post game on the radio. Um, you know, Xavier Johnson was incredibly rusty, uh, struggled dramatically. 
Galloway's point total looks a lot better because he hit a couple threes late, but really for most of the game had not done much at all. And if you look at how much IU is outscored on the perimeter by just Nebraska's starting players, let alone Wilcher who came in, uh, I, I mean, it wasn't even close. And, and IU's not going to be able to make that up uh, on the inside. And and I think defensively, you know, this team continued to struggle, maybe not with some of the exact same things as they did before, um, but you know, 1.32 points possession in the second half, and that tailed off a little bit at the end as uh, as Nebraska did it. Uh, you know, didn't didn't score as much at the end, and it, you know, I think what what coach said is true. I mean, this team has shown us who they are, and they've overcome some of their flaws to win games uh, by lesser margins than what you'd want them to. But everything that we've seen from this team was on display tonight. And the reality of the situation is, the four toughest games that they played, including tonight, they've gotten beaten all all four of them and basically got run off the court in three. Uh, you know, there's not really too much else to do. And I think the thing that, you know, I texted you guys after like some of the lack of discipline and fundamentals and effort is the same stuff that I would get on Twitter and bash the football program about. Like this is an undisciplined team, an undisciplined program. I would say over and over and over again. And they came out every Saturday and showed that that was what their identity was. And this team is creeping very close to the same thing that what Ryan talked about in terms of, you know, running away from the guy with the ball, the guy who has just absolutely obliterated you in the second half and, and running away with them. And it just, the, the basketball IQ uh, and understanding is, is just not there. And, and the one dude with the crazy hair on, on Nebraska is like fighting for every loose ball. Like his life depends on it. And I use like, man, that guy's playing really hard good for him and just stood there and got run out of the way when he would go for the ball and and like to win games on the road in the big 10 or any other conference, like you got to bring a whole lot more effort. And this team just really didn't have it uh, from, from the start and potentially as coach said, you know, a lot of potential explanations for that. But again, this team, the team that showed up tonight is the same team that's been showing up and playing the way that they have in, in some of these other games. And it doesn't mean that it's not fixable uh, from a talent perspective. There's reason to believe that you could, but th- this team is not going to be explosive enough offensively to overcome what has been a really, really bad defense and was a really, really bad defense for the vast majority of the game tonight. The three-point defense has not gotten better. And and let's be real, Nebraska hit a ton tonight. They missed a lot of wide-open threes as well, and Indiana kind of got lucky there. They were 12 of 32, and they probably missed six other wide open threes they should have hit. I mean, you fouled them on on two threes. I mean, again, if you talk about undisciplined play, like that's another example. Fouling two guys on three pointers within, I don't know, six or eight possessions of one another. I just, yeah. And look, you know, let's be real, coach. You know, Kalel Ware, twenty points, ten rebounds for his first game back after being sick. Even despite you know the the flagrant foul and just you know some of the issues he had. It was a it was a good enough performance from him to win on the road. Malik Renew rebounded in the second half to finish with fourteen point six boards, five assists. Both of them had four turnovers. It was an uneven game for both, um, but they were able to go produce. This team, the backcourt, is just. I mean, when you get this kind of production from X and from Trey, you know, and I thought Trey really busted his butt defensively trying to chase guys, and you know, it was not an effort thing for Trey. But offensively, you know, he just kind of has these games sometimes. And, you know, and he hit a couple threes. He finished with 10 points, but missed several bunnies early 
that were big shots, you know, that could have taken a four point lead to two or a six point lead to four early and kind of kept Indiana going. And those he are had shots, a couple of bad turnovers in that stretch too. Yeah, and those are shots he has to make. And look, I think it's fair to have some patience with Xavier Johnson coming back from injury. He hasn't played, but no points, three assists, four turnovers, taking long twos. He's got to be better than this. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can be patient, but this was very much a return to some of the issues that we saw from him, you know, early in the season of just kind of making bad decisions and not really knowing what to do with the ball. And again, maybe that fixes itself a little bit with more time and getting some chemistry with these guys, but you're just not going to win on the road with your 10 combined years of experience backcourt giving you that level of production. And, you know, either those guys have to get a lot better and a lot more consistent within the season you know, or I don't really know where this season is going to go. And then obviously that has to be something that's addressed in the off season. But, you know, this was, and Mike Woodson mentioned it on the radio show, I'm saying, you know, this was just not enough from those guys. You've got to get more production from those two, especially if you want to have a chance on the road or like in the Michigan game, have a CJ gun come off the bench and give you a big performance. But Indiana got none of that from any of their backcourt players tonight. There's really not much to say. Um, yeah. The, the backcourt was, for the most part, gathered some worthless stats at, at, the, at the back end, but the, the, the backcourt was, was not very good. Uh, and, you know, that, that it goes back to it's, it's going to be an old record here the rest of the year. It's just the roster that, that Indiana has right now. Um, you need Xavier Johnson to play well. He didn't even – I think he had a few assists, but he really played poorly coming back. Um, you know, and I, I don't know what to tell you other other than where I thought it was really good. When you come off of a sickness like that, you are going to be gassed. And I thought he really laid it on the line for a guy that was coming back from a sickness. That's the positive for it for the night. But some of that is too, um, it's, it's roster construction and it, and it's scheme a little bit as well. You know, th those guards, uh, Hoiberg's playing and played outplayed our perimeters, um, Tominaga's nice. He's a good shooter. He's a competitive shooter, but he's not as athletic as our guards. So you have to look deeper than just these kids. Um, they didn't play well. They, they, they didn't play well. They weren't focused. Um, yes, all of that's true, but it, it is much deeper than just a few kids going on the road right now. Um, and, and until, uh, you know, yes. And then you, we do have to remember we won at Michigan, right? We won at Michigan without X. So, Yep. They have already won one game on the road. So there is some, you know, these kind of things happen on the road. Michigan State went in there and got beat. And I'm not trying to make excuses because I'm not very happy. But there is some there is some reality that winning on the Big Ten road on the Big Ten is tough. You just don't want to get beat by 17 points. That's where the trouble lies in, 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 yes. in how you played. You didn't get beat by six because they played really well and is a nail biter and, and Nebraska's good. Nebraska's good and just really dominated this, this team. I think that's more of the telltale sign. But but our guards are not um, worthy of a top four or five position in the Big Ten right now, the way they're playing and the way, way they're, you know, I think being coached fundamentally. The, the thing, Coach, if Indiana had been playing well and you come out and you just stub your toe, you have your off night, okay, you can get past it a little bit. I think the problem is – We've seen a lot of these issues before in other games, and Indiana has been able to win those games, and it all kind of manifested itself tonight. And it feels less like kind of a bad game on an island and more of a harbinger. Now, hopefully, is that is not. 
Hopefully that is not true. That's hopefully right. they bat and look, you know, the thing is every game you have another chance to write your story. This team can bounce back just like last year after the Penn State game, they bounced back and played great against Wisconsin at home. They have a chance to go do that against Ohio State, and the tone on this show will be a lot different. And maybe it'll give them positive momentum for Rutgers. But you know, Andy, you know, there's just there's other things tonight that just really frustrate me. One of them is Malik Renew picks up two fouls in the first half. Malik Renew is a foul-prone player. I get taking him out, settling him down, but he didn't play the rest of the half. Malik Renew was plus one on the night in 29 minutes. You know how many fouls he finished with for the game? Two. Like, you can't do that on the road. Malik Renew means everything to this team. So I get, like, it may not be your idea. They brought Mbaco back in the first half. Why didn't you bring Renew back? Like, you know, and again, I understand it a little bit because he's foul prone, but context matters. When you're on the road, you're down six to eight, the game could be slipping away. He's got to be on the court. It's just, you know, there's just stuff like that. Yes, the players have to play better. But I also, you know, Ryan, some of the stuff that you said in your opening and some of these decisions, it doesn't put the players that we have in the best position to win games like this. But that, really fr- that really frustrates me. It does. Sorry, Andy, I was directing that to you and I didn't have a question. So it was just kind of like one of the bad passes that we saw Indiana throw tonight. So do something with it, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, what, yeah, I, I found myself thinking, though, as, as you got in that part of the of the second half, um, I'm trying to go through the uh, of course, this is not working. Uh, I was trying to filter the the play by play here, but I had really kind of maintained about a six point margin fairly late into the half. And I think if you're Woodson to to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. So it's a six point game with two forty-five left in the half. You've kind of navigated that long. Do you risk putting him in at that point? The problem was that from there, IU, you know, gives up a pull-up jumper, hook shot in the lane, gets it back to 10, one or two at the line. Nebraska goes one or two at the line and IU salvages a couple of free throws at the end. I think the thought was probably if you can keep it to six or eight, maybe you feel better about that. I, I don't I, you know, I, I, we can debate whether that's legitimate or not, but I think when it's six, there's probably some validity there. Maybe once they push it back to 10, you put it back in. I, you know, I don't really know. It, it, I, I do think the general point of guys being put in a position to succeed is, is, is an interesting one because it, we can lament the three point shooting and all those things. There is no room to operate on the interior of this team, whether it be drivers or post players at this point. I mean, Nebraska, they talked about it. Uh, on the broadcast is just they're going to double everything and dare somebody to make shots. And IU isn't willing to even take those shots that are there. They, they too many times would try to split the double team and and, and turn the ball over that way. And, and you, again, you just see that it's kind of... The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It goes back a little bit to what Ryan said. It, it's, I won't say it's coached out of them to take some of those shots, but there are times guys catch the ball are not ready to shoot. Cups had one. One more pass gets Xavier Johnson a wide open three, but he kind of fumbles the ball and double clutches the pass. Well, by then they've got time uh, you know, to close out. And they really, for the most part, except for some lobs from Renew to where didn't make Nebraska pay for double teaming them. And everybody is just in or right outside of the lane. And IU had guys passing up open shots. It was another one in Baco. I thought had a wide open three and kind of dribbled out of it. Um, I think that's where the scheme doesn't help doesn't help guys in that regard um and, and set them up to be uh set them up to be successful but that is what the scheme is like we've seen it I, I don't see that changing but you see teams getting very used to that you know dribble handoff at the uh at the elbow and basically just blitzed Galloway off of that so he's not getting anything you know they're not even getting anything out of that but there's just no room to operate in the middle of the floor and IU even when the game was in you know, in not in doubt, you know, gun takes a long two. Cups made a shot that was just a ridiculous shot, like fading so far, you know, dribbling left, fading that way, long two feet on the line, you know, and, and made it. But and that was in the first half. But I mean, just just t- and those are the shots that teams want. You know, you're taking the shots that teams want you to take. That's telling. Um, you cannot be happy with that from an offensive perspective. I, but I, I just go back to the defense. It doesn't matter what the hell this team does offensively. They cannot outperform offensively how bad they are in defense right now. Agreed. All right, Ryan, let's get a final thought because if anybody is going to swoop in for just one segment on a, on a show that starts at 11 o'clock Eastern, it's the guy in the Pacific time zone. So, yeah, look, (laughs) Andy hit the nail on the head. I mean, this team refuses to shoot threes, but damn, do they love a long two. How many long twos have they taken this year? That's poor. That's that's it's poor basketball IQ, and I put that on them, the players, and the coaches. You know, if a guy takes a long two, take him out. You know, I mean, and tell him, hey, we don't want that shot. We want something else. But Andy's completely right. The middle of the floor is so clogged up. There's no room to operate. That's why you had when Ware would get the ball in the post, he wouldn't try and go around his guy or anything because he'd be running into somebody. He would go over the top of them all night and shoot it, as opposed to getting to the rim. And that's what a, a, a decent team with a solid defensive game plan will give Indiana fits because they will just clog the middle and say, if you hit 15 threes and beat us, we will give that to you. And Indiana's not going to be able to do it this year. Maybe once in a while, they're going to be able to hit 10, 11, 12. But that's, I mean, how many are they going to have to take to do that? And will they be willing to take those threes even? Because they don't seem to be willing to take them now. So good teams with size will clog the lane on Indiana and force them to take bad shots or force them into taking threes they clearly don't want to take. So I don't know what the solution is here other than just scrapping the system and going for something else. We got on Archie Miller in year two for needing an offensive coordinator because he didn't understand college offense at this level. Are we starting to get there? The system is is it does not work unless you've got Trace Jackson Davis, and there were times last year it didn't work, but Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino were so good, they could make it work. You don't have that this year. You have some very talented players, 
but nobody on their level. And so I, I just, I don't know what, what this team is supposed to do the rest of the year when Nebraska has given the blueprint to the rest of the big 10. And a lot of those rosters are far more talented and have far more size than Nebraska does. And they've now given the blueprint to everybody, which they probably already had having watched the system earlier in the year, but Nebraska proved it can work and then just run your offense and they can't guard it. So I, I just, I don't know what Indiana's supposed to do from here on out. This is a talented team. They are not being put in the best positions to succeed. And ultimately, again, the coach doesn't turn the ball over 19 times, but he does put his players out on the floor and deploys them in position to see. He's supposed to put them in positions to succeed. And I just don't see that with Indiana right now. The only other thing I will say is it is possible that you know that this is one of the worst losses of Big Ten play because if you just looked at the statistical profile of these teams, this profile is a really bad matchup for Indiana. It's not to excuse it; you should still be able to beat Nebraska. Yeah, you have to win but this game. Some, but there are some reasons to think, like Coach said, "Hey, we beat Michigan. You know, we beat Maryland. We're it's not like we haven't beat." No, I know. What is Michigan I, like six and seven? No, no, like, no, I know. But all I'm saying is, this is a team that shoots a lot of threes. They defend twos well. They don't put you on the line. So a lot of the stuff Indiana likes to do. Nebraska has kept teams from doing. And so there's a chance that it won't look quite this bad for the rest of Big Ten play, but it never should have looked this bad in the first place. Yeah. You know, and the other and, thing and is that, it just it shows the lack of Indiana's ability to impose its will on a game. Yeah, or to you know, adjust like, or do something different exactly. based on the matchup, all that stuff. Yes. All right. Do you have anything else that you want to say? Tell your parents we said hi, please. I will. No, I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. <laughs> We'll see you tomorrow night because we get to talk about this again for Assembly Call Radio. It'll be fun. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> It'll be great. All right, coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Nebraska, we'll point out tonight's meaningful moments you might have missed. Then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. I'm guessing Nebraska's 15 steals will come up. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, Verdell. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 16 point loss to Nebraska as Big Ten play resumed tonight, and it is time for meaningful moments that you might have missed. Yep, this segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. Coach, my first meaningful moment, I'm going to go back to the first half. It was 30, well, it was 27-21. Uh, Wilcher hit a three right in Anthony Leal's eye. Uh, you could tell Leal was frustrated. Like he was kind of a half step slow getting out. You could tell he was very disappointed in himself. And I loved what happened next. He got pissed off. 
he goes down on the other on the other end. Uh, and Indiana actually moved the ball. Like the ball kind of whipped around the perimeter. It goes to Leal in the corner. And he's been a guy throughout his career that has kind of hesitated. You know, hasn't looked to shoot first. There is no chance he wasn't shooting that basketball. He puts it up, drills it, gets fouled. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then goes down the next possession and plays excellent defense on Wilcher, just, you know, denying him, uh, ended up leading to a huge Khalil Ware block. You know, there weren't many moments tonight where you saw a kind of competitive fire from Indiana. And I at least love that from Leo, you know, guy comes down and hits one in your face. You get a little ticked off about it and you go down and make a play on the other end and then defend him coming down. Um, you know, just a little thing from Anthony Leo that obviously didn't, uh, you know, produce, uh, a win tonight, but just shows a little bit of some of the value that that he can bring out there. And it was nice to see. And the other thing is, Coach, if he's going to play, he has to take shots like that. And so it was nice to see him not hesitate and put it up. I mean, the guy's, was he shooting? 33, 34% for his career. And if he's going to play, he's got to shoot him. So it was nice to see him get in and just look a little more comfortable because it seems clear he's going to be playing now. He was in off the bench before CJ Gunn. So that's now two straight games where that's been the case you know, this may be a thing now. So anyway, that was nice to see. It, it, it's good because the, the kid has bought into Indiana and he has stayed through some tough times and waited his turn. You, you love to see that as a coach uh, and then the aggressiveness on, on both sides. Uh, you know, he's limited in what he can do. He's going to have to go in for short minutes, uh, move the basketball. He's a great post passer, uh, which should work well uh, with our heavy post presence. Um, and, and he's in the right positions. Uh, I went back and, uh, after our discussion on the last game, I went back and watched and he's in the right position. Um, and, and that's all you can ask, uh, for someone, uh, on defense. So yeah, that, that's good to see. I, I, I do want to take that. Uh, and I know I'll probably get a lot of comments. Um, I thought in the first half, Indiana, Indiana's defensive scheme, they chased shooters. They didn't play the nail slot rim tonight and just give up that easy top pass. They chased shooters, but they didn't execute it very well. So I think they, they changed their game plan, which was good to see. I wanted to see that coming in, but they surely didn't execute it well. And then what we also have to do, and I know we're all upset, and rightfully so, uh, because you can tell from my demeanor, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm about at the care less mo- mode right? I'm going to go Saturday. I'm going to root for Indiana, but that's like the football program. Like if you get a win, I'm going to be happy, but I, I'm not, I'm not really invested anymore in this team's, uh, as much, uh, because it's just been over and over and over bad basketball. But I was pro- I was happy that they changed the scheme, but they didn't execute, but you got to give credit to, to Nebraska. They, they played that mass kid was the most valuable player. I know you're, everyone's going to love Tamanga, whatever his name was shooting the threes, but his ability to play at the high post, took the rim protection away. So when, when Indiana's curling and chasing cutters defensively, they curled all the way to the lane. They got some back cuts. And Indiana has been taught to ball watch. I firmly believe they've been taught to ball watch. We've shared some pictures in our, in our, with some of our uh, hosts. Uh, when the ball goes in, everyone turns and watches. Gabe Cups got cut back door. People got cut back door because we are so used to being coached in the nail slot rim protection where we turn and watch the ball, we lose cutters. And what did Hoiberg do? He knew that, and he schemed against the way we guarded, even though we changed up the way we guarded. So that's kind of a meaningful moment. Maybe someone may, might have caught or, or, or might not, but uh, that, it was a good attempt by the coaching staff, but it was poorly executed, uh, poorly taught, 
but at least there was a change in scheme to try to guard the three-pointers. And of the four three-pointers, I think three of them were contested, or two of them were contested, and one was on an offensive rebound in the first half. And then they got loose in the second half when Indiana's intensity on defense just kind of gave in, and that's not acceptable. But the first half defense, the problem was offensive rebounds. There was seven points on offensive rebounds, second chance points, and they all came in a row, which is momentum. And then they gave up like five in transition. It wasn't a lot, but when you give up bunches in transition, that's that's just a downer. Then you give up offensive rebounder. That's a downer. And then the foul parade. We were playing so hard trying to chase cutters that we got handsy and we got up in, into their space and they shot a, a lot of free throws in the first half to get 41 points. But I thought ha- the scheme was actually okay. It just was poorly executed and poorly taught. So it wasn't okay in the long run, but I'm so glad we did just play that zone backside zone, which I think is what the nail slot rim is, is really a zone defense on the backside and that is designed to give up three-pointers, at least they made an attempt to stop it, uh, but it didn't work. Uh, So I guess that's kind of my meaningful moment, piggybacking on Leal's uh, excellent defense there uh, and had that shot hit right in his face. Tamage hit one right in the face. I I was watching the defense tonight, and really the first shot defense was pretty good in the first half. It was offensive rebounds, transition, and fouling that got to 41 and put you in a hole, and then we kind of got worn out in the second half. Well, you know, and the rebounding, Coach, a lot of that happened early, and that, to me, kind of showed the lack of focus. You have Mbako and Ware both going for a rebound, and it goes out. You know, Ware going for a rebound with one hand and misses it. Like, there were just several of those where it's like, you did the job. (laughs) You know, you forced the stop and the possession, and Indiana just couldn't do it. You know, and Andy, I think another another guy that we should talk about is McKenzie Mbako, who, you know, you expect freshmen to have some ups and downs on the road. That's where you need your upperclassmen guards to provide the stability. This was not a good game for McKenzie Mbako. You know, it broke his streak of consecutive games. I think it was up to eight, seven or eight games, uh, scoring in double digits. He only finishes with six. You know, and had a really tough stretch at the start of the second half. You know, Coach, you mentioned, you know, watching the ball. Um, one of the first possessions, you know, McKenzie to watch the ball basically just turned the back on his man who relocated for a three and was wide open. And McKenzie didn't know where he was to go out and close out on him. And then, you know, as Indiana, you know, kind of had a chance, Andy, to take that 11 to 12 point lead and cut it to seven or cut it to eight. You know, McKenzie took kind of a mid-range two that was actually a pretty good shot for him, missed it, had that transition opportunity, I think off of a wear block, missed it. You know, and he did make a couple of threes, but he just never was able to get in the flow of this game, you know, in part because of, you know, what we've talked about, you know, when he drove, there was no place, you know, no place for him to go. Um, And there was even a stretch, you know, late in the second half of two straight possessions where, you know, he passes up a three on the left wing, tried to get it into Khalil Ware, um, Ware kind of fumbled it, but then saved the possession by hitting a turnaround. And then the very next possession, he does it again. He passes up an open three to give it to Anthony Walker to take a contested two. He got bailed out because he got fouled. Um, it Maybe not bailed out. I mean, he made an aggressive move, so he got fouled. I would rather have McKenzie taking the three. You know, and so it was just a night where it felt like he had some opportunities to take some shots and didn't. And then when he did get some opportunities, especially close to the basket, he just wasn't able to convert. So... You know, to me, he's lower on the list of reasons why Indiana lost this game because I just put less on a freshman on the road, but he wasn't good. Um, And he didn't help Indiana compensate for some of the other issues that they had. And when this team is going to play defense like this, 
part of the formula for winning is McKenzie's got to score 13, 14, 15 points. And so him only having six is part of the reason why the deficit, you know, the final deficit was what it was. Yeah, I think it was a case of, uh, you know, he came out, he hit a three early as he's, uh, as he's done a number of times. I mean, I scored in the first four possessions, you know, then he gets himself in foul trouble. The, the second foul was a terrible call. Oh, uh, apparently his stomach got in the way of the other guy's forearm when he extended it, which was the foul. You know, you got one ref who can't even get back to get in position to make the call and the one and the other guy who shielded from it. But, um, but I thought that really took him out. I know they put him, you know, literally and figuratively took him out of the game. They put him back in toward the end of the half. Didn't really have a lot. And and a couple of those shots that you mentioned, one I had circled as a, as a potential meaningful moment. Cause at that point, IU came out really poorly, turned the ball over on two of the first three possessions uh, of the second half, but they had, you know, managed to where or renew hits three, had the one possession where Ware goes one of two from the line and then gets a lob. And then Cups had made a three pointer. And at that point, I think they had at least kind of stemmed the tide. The lead was maybe 10 at that point. Um, you know, and then the sequence after that is where Ware gets the flagrant foul, which I just thought was just unfortunate he gets up in the air just kind of grabs on his way back down wasn't really trying to do what you know he ended up doing but um even so you only give up two points on that sequence but that's where you had yeah the the mbako you know missed jumper then he misses that you know layup and and so you just miss an opportunity to chip into the lead a little bit and then you know had one good possession that turned the ball over three times in a row and then that was pretty much all she wrote at that point um and so i i just thought it felt like when he came back, not as much late in the half, but at the beginning of the second half, he was trying to make up for lost time and what he'd missed before and really tried to force things a little bit. It took shots that aren't terrible, but but to your point, passed up shots that you would want him uh, to, to actually take. And, and I think um, just was a, a struggle for him pretty much from the get-go. Um, so, uh, Andy, any other moments for you before we move on to numbers? I, you know, I guess I'll, I don't know if this is a moment, this could probably be uh, a stat, but a, a, a brief, brief quiz for you gentlemen tonight. All right. Oh. How oh. many, how many times did IU stop Nebraska on three consecutive defensive possessions over the course of this game? Nebraska had 70 possessions in the game, just to give you a, a look. So how many times did they turn the, or how many times did they stop them three times in a row? There might've been one stretch in the second half. Otherwise I'm going zero. Coach. I have no clue. Yeah, it was the answer was one. Okay. It happened very early in the game uh, oh, on possessions oh, five, six, and seven for Nebraska. They turned the ball over twice uh, and had a missed three in the middle. Now, how many times did IU turn the ball over on three straight possessions over the course of the game? Three. We, we had nineteen total. <laughs> I don't know. We'll coach, coach is correct. Three. So, so you turned the ball over three <laughs> times in a row more than you stopped the opposing team three times in a row. That's fairly telling. I mean, that's those, not good. Those not are good. all, but those are all, and I guess I lumped that into moments just because it, it really, you know, one of those came in the first half, almost as Nebraska was not scoring three times in a row for the only time in the game, Xavier Johnson turnover, Khalil Ware turnover, Galloway turnover. Although I think one of the ones on where maybe not in that stretch was the one that Galloway kind of threw at his feet in transition and, yeah. Where ends up getting the turnover, but probably not his. And then, you know, another one in the second half, Nebraska's going on a run. Xavier Johnson turns the ball over himself three times in a row. And, and those are moments that this team, as poor as they've been defensively, just can't afford to have, uh, in large part from guys 
who are the veterans and the playmakers on this team. Um, you know, so of those, if you think about those three sets of turnovers together, that's nine turnovers. Four of them came from X, two of them from Galloway. Uh, and then you had, you know, where with one renew with one and banks with one, uh, in that, in that, you know, kind of in those groups of turnovers. And it, it just, it, it, those are things that, especially in a road environment are just killers, uh, at the beginning of the game with a chance to, you know, build on the good start that you had. You turn the ball over three times in a row, let Nebraska catch up a little bit. They score five points during that stretch. You just, you know, the next one, Nebraska scores five points during that stretch as well. You're just giving up all these little mini runs that this team's just not able to overcome because they can't flip the switch, go back to the other end and, and get the ball back defensively without without giving up a score with any consistency. So just kind of underscore some of those things. I had highlighted uh, both the other moments that you talked about as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- those kinds of stretches of even three, four possessions are just, just killers for this team. Yep. All right. Well, it is time to go inside the numbers brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and chat mob Hall of Famer, the queen herself, Megan Mahaffey, and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. Uh, let's see. So Nebraska had 15 steals. Uh, that's a pretty important number. You know, I, there's, there's a lot of bad numbers and we'll hit those. The thing that I want to point out is this, just to add to our three point shooting conversation, Indiana goes nine for 18 on the season. Indiana is now shooting 33.5%, which isn't great, but it's right in the middle of the, of the nation, 167. And it's been improving. The argument through the first seven, eight games that I heard from everybody is, well, this team can't make them when they were shooting 27, 28%, so they shouldn't be taking them. And my response to that was, it's a very small sample size right here. We don't know enough about this team shooting yet to say that they can or they can't make them. And lo and behold, with a larger sample size, the team's three-point shooting is evening out. We're seeing a guy like Mbako start to make them. Trey Galloway's starting to make them again. Malik Renew is showing that he can make them. And so that argument holds no water, and yet Indiana still remains down at 352nd and three-pointers taken. For a team that is not playing defense and that struggles to get efficiency offensively in other areas, it seems wise to take more. I know people are sick of saying it. That's all I'm going to say, but I do think it's important to recognize this team's percentage is going up, so you can't just use the excuse where they're not making them because they are starting to make them now. So that doesn't hold water anymore, and if the defense is going to be this bad, then they definitely are going to need to take more. So anyway, uh, Coach, what numbers stood out to you? Well, the answer to that is we have a bunch of 10-toe shooters. They got to have 10 toes facing the rim in order to shoot. They can't do come off of screens or flare cuts or whatever. We're, we're kick-out shooters, so you need guards uh, to penetrate and not turn the ball over. 27 points on 19 turnovers was was the name of the game. When you shoot well, uh, you, you didn't defend well, but if you take care of the basketball – you're going to have a better chance of scoring uh, and being in the basketball game. So to me, the the, the huge number tonight was, was turnovers, and you have two senior guards leading the way. Um, you know, and so, you know, Woody said it in the post game, and, and it's true. Uh, but, you know, those guys have to play better. But then Coach Woodson has to help those guys out too. Uh, Galloway had three uh, turnovers. Johnson had four wear and renew both had four on the, on the buddy ball, uh, stuff as as well. So that's just a total, 
that's just inexcusable to turn the ball over 19 times. It's hard to win a game when, when, you know, scheme or no scheme, uh, when you have 19 turnovers and they come down and, and score off of that, it's hard to guard turnovers as bad as the defense is. And as bad as we executed the defense tonight and didn't rebound and didn't foul and all those things are true. When, you, when they come down and have an advantage because of a live ball turnovers, uh, it, it's really difficult to win basketball games. Andy, any other numbers that you want to point out? I mean, if you want a good one, IU did have 19 assists on 24 made field goals. They unfortunately matched, matched the number of assists with the number of turnovers, but you know, uh, but the, the other, we thing, did actually out rebound Nebraska too, which people would probably be surprised by. Yeah. Uh, but the, the other thing that I'll say, well, I guess two things, um, uh, fast break points, 10 to one, uh, again, this team needs to find ways to score easy baskets. And it's actually probably a little bit surprising. Nebraska didn't get more fast break points, given how many live ball turnovers that, that IU had. Uh, and the other one is points in the paint. IU only outscores Nebraska by two points in the paint, 26 to 24. Um, so even though Nebraska shot 27 twos versus I use 33, it was almost a stalemate in the paint, which is where IU needs to beat up on teams, uh, to offset some of these things. They just really didn't, didn't do it. Now, Nebraska wasn't, they had some, uh, you know, post-ups with the, the, the big guy, um, rank or mast, uh, and and so he did did a little bit of work in there, but a lot of it was just you know back cuts, as coach mentioned, and some other you know getting guys going to the to the rim, but wasn't you know it's not like they're just pounding you in the post like IU was trying to do. So there's more than one way to score points in the paint, and you know they were basically able to offset that while also outscoring IU from the three point line, from the free throw line, uh, pretty much any any which way you can. So um, I think that you know, an area that IU really has to dominate. They just didn't do it uh, at all. Again, it goes back to how good the offense has to be. Um, you know, if that number probably needs to be 40 uh, in a game like this, if if they're only going to shoot 18 threes. And again, a lot of those threes were garbage time threes, if you, if you will, uh, where they hit them, you know, they hit them late. So obviously good to make them, uh, but three or four of those were all within the, the you know, when the game was basically out of reach. Yeah. Here's a number for you. Yeah. Nebraska earned a quad three win tonight (laughs) (laughs) by beating Indiana at home. Avoided a bad loss. Nebraska gets a quad (laughs) three win. Oh gosh. By the way. Okay. I've got to correct something from earlier. Cause I said that Malik Renew was plus one on the game because I'm looking at the stat broadcast thing and that's what it says. But okay. If you look at the first half box score, it says that he was even. In 11 minutes, which might make sense. But then if you go to the second half box score, it says that he played 18 minutes and was plus one. There's no way that's right. That can't possibly be right for him to play 18 minutes and be plus one in the second half. Can it? I don't think so. So anyway, I said that earlier. I'm, I'm not sure I believe what I'm looking at. I mean, if you're, it is. You're just going on the, the information reason, that you've been provided. But yeah, All the more reason seem... that he shouldn't have left the floor in the first half. But I, I don't think that's actually true. It can't be. So we'll wait. Sometimes these live stats, you know, they get corrected later or something's wrong or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, apologize. that's basically saying uh, you got outscored by nine in the two minutes that he was off the court. I'll try Which to, maybe. I'll try to, <laughs> I'll try to filter a couple of these things, see if I can, uh, see if I can figure it out. Okay. I apologize to Jen. I didn't mean the downer that Indiana is only a quad three win for Nebraska, but 
Indiana was a quad three wins in Nebraska. I mean, guys, man. it's just it's just reality. Like, I think we're going to have to get used. We may have to get used to that this season. I mean, let's see. Again, every game, something different can happen. Um, but that is what this team is right now. Coach, it is not being negative to just state a fact. And right now, the facts are this team is 90-something in Ken Palm. They have a sub-100 defense. And they've won games almost in spite of themselves. And those wins do matter, not taking it away. But a lot of things are going to have to get better. We're going to have more nights like this. It's just how it is. But Jen is so nice. Jen is She's such a sweet lady. I I hate to upset Jen. (laughs) I agree with you, but it's all about, you know, my sincere care for Jen. (laughs) That's true. All right. All right. So uh, our our crack research staff has gotten on this. That is actually true about Malik Renew. When he sat out. It was plus one for the game tonight. Yeah, when he well, I don't know about the first half. I I really focused more on the second half just because it seemed like an anomaly. He went out with eight twenty to play in the in the game. It was sixty four fifty three Nebraska. IU gave up a three to Tomanaga. IU fouled Tomanaga on a three where he hit all three free throws. Then they Williams hit another three for them before he came back in. So they got outscored nine to nothing in the two minutes uh, or so that he was out of the game. So that would have offset the. Um, so and and IU was minus eight for the second half, minus nine with him out. So he would have been plus one. Second. And look, you can't play him twenty minutes in the second half. I get it. You had to take those two minutes. There's no excuse for him only playing eleven minutes in the first half. I'm sorry, he's too important. You're just going to have to roll the dice some in the second half. If you don't have guards, you can lean on. You've got to lean on Malik. And if he if there ends up being a game where he picks up his third foul in the first half, so be it. You know, I mean, I just we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Uh, You all are sick of hearing me talk about it. I'm sorry. It just really grinds my gears. Um, I hate when coaches foul out their own players and they don't play as many minutes as they could on the road against a team that you could beat. I want to go to bed. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we hand out our game balls and Hoosier Hustle Award, discuss a lingering question or two, and look ahead to Indiana's upcoming opponent on Saturday, which is Ohio State. That's next here on the assembly call. Stick with us.
made than Hap, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, Ethan, it is safe to tune in now because Ryan is gone. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, Andy Bottoms. We are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 16-point drubbing at the hands of the Nebraska Cornhuskers tonight. Uh, and it is time now for our Game Balls, presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental. Allie just messaged me today and said they got uh, they got a new client who listened to the ad and called them up, so we appreciate that. We always appreciate you supporting our fine sponsors, many of whom started out as listeners and are listeners now and members of the community. That's how we love to do it. So Allie and James, they're at Bloom Environmental. They want to make sure everyone knows about radon, which is a colorless, odorless, radioactive gas is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. And get this, according to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the, quote, action level that is recommended for mitigation. So contact Bloom Environmental today, mention Assembly Call, and get a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. All right, let's keep this relatively short, I imagine. Uh, But game balls... I mean, I'll just I'll lead off. I'm going to Khalil for production and 20 points, 10 boards, two blocks, two assists, uh, two steals, you know, coming back off of being out with COVID. And he ends up playing the most minutes on the team with 34. It was far from a perfect performance, but it was the best one on this night. And so he gets my game ball. Coach, do you have any anyone else that you would like to toss? No, out where of? where for especially coming back after a sickness? And, and one that's just, you know, hard to get uh, back into shape and everything. Um, I, I think for me, it's where nine to 12 uh, and playing through some struggles, double, double, um, easy, easy choice for me is uh, Khalil Ware. Andy? Khalil Ware. Khalil. Yeah, same. I think you got more out of him than you could have conceivably expected coming back into the, you know, coming back in after, after being out. Uh, the shooting percentage was even better than I thought. I, I, I thought he still struggled a little bit with the contact, made some tough shots um, trying to avoid uh, contact at times. But, um, you know, leading scorer, leading rebounder, played the most minutes. He was absolutely gassed at various times during the game. A um, couple blocks, a couple steals. Uh, that one was uh, pretty pretty easy one, I would say. Khalil Ware, currently the leader in game balls with seven. Malik Renew is second with four. And then five other Hoosiers are tied with one. And that brings us to the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, I have some exciting news to share about our friends at Evansville Security Services. They've been acquired. They are now part of the team at Security Pro 24-7, which provides trusted and reliable security for your event or business from Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sang you. All right. Thank you, Anthony. Um, okay. This could be a little tough. Andy, we'll go to you first. I think I have an idea of where I'm going to go, but I could be swayed by a persuasive argument. I'm not sure I have a persuasive argument for anyone. Um, 
I, I for me, I, I was down to Cups and Leal. Uh, I'm willing to listen to other options. I, I, I guess I'll Cups struggled defensively uh, is probably my main concern there. But he did have five points, five rebounds, three assists, no turnovers, which uh, oh. one of very few players uh, in the game to not have a turnover. Um, so I that's think you may count case, on your freshman point guard to do on the road, you know, be the one guy that doesn't turn the ball over. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Leo had three points, three rebounds, um, you know, only played 12 minutes. So I guess I'd lean cups just cause he played a little bit more, but he continues to, to struggle a little bit in, in some of the things defensively, but he certainly wasn't alone in that. So I guess I'll go with him, but there was not a clear cut choice for me in this one. Although there were a couple that I could eliminate pretty quickly. I didn't, uh, there, there were not a lot of, not a lot of top options, I wouldn't say. So I'll do mine, coach, and then you can break the tie. I'm actually going to give it to Galloway. Not for production, but for true hustle. I thought Trey played hard. There were a lot of possessions where he was chasing and really giving a lot of effort. And I thought offensively, I mean, he had some wild drives, and a lot of it didn't work. But there was effort. There was want to. And there was some at least physical toughness there from Trey. Um, you know, and he did, he was out there for 31 minutes. So I get, you know, I can't really argue too much with cups. Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe I'm having a selective memory, but I just know, you know, I I noticed a lot of times and it looked like Trey was really playing hard. He just didn't play well. And so I want to make sure that that distinction is made. We need more from Trey from a production standpoint, because he's a senior and the way that the roster is constructed, but this was kind of the game, you know, that, that Trey Galloway would have played, you know, maybe as a sophomore, even at times as a junior, where he gives you 10 points, he's out there making some hustle plays. So anyway, I'll give it to him. I'm not, you know, again, I could be swayed, but he's the one I'm going to go with. Coach? I'm going to – it's tough on a game like this to give a a hustle award because everyone was kind of flat and had their moments, right? Um, The two guys you guys mentioned had had moments where they were ball watching and got beat or dribbled into five guys and – tried to you know pass the ball off their ankles or whatever um mental hustle is part of the game too right uh, mental sure. approach to the game should be part of a hustle award as well so um you know i do think leo needs some mention here because he's going in and doing what he needs to do and he guarded on that three point play and then he you know came down like you said that's a that's a, a typical hustle but I, I have to go with Gabe Cups when you have five rebounds and your two senior guards combined for three you have zero turnovers there's some hustle in doing the simple things as well sometimes it's not always uh effort uh but you know in a game like this where you're real struggling to find one I'm going to go with the guy who took care of the basketball rebounded better than the other two guards combined had zero to their eight or seven turnovers and and scored, you know, some points. So, you know, just searching. Uh, no, no clear-cut hustle award, but I'm, I'm going to go with Gabe. And ladies and gentlemen, we now have a new leader in the hustle award standings as Gabe Cups has four, Anthony Walker, and Mackenzie Mbaco tied with three. CJ Gunn has two, and then several others have one. So I, those are all good arguments. Again, I, I didn't necessarily feel strongly about Trey. I just, I don't know. Um, you know, whatever. Like you said, Coach, it's hard on a night like tonight to give hustle awards, to give game balls for performances like these. Lingering question time. Um, you know, one lingering question that I have, Coach, it's really, it's a guy that we haven't talked about yet tonight, and that is Caleb Banks. 
and one of the things we talked about all off season is, hey, come January, come February, you know, couple of guys who could change what this team looks like are CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks if they develop. Well, we're sitting here on January 3rd, and both have had their moments. Caleb was great against Louisville, played, you know, had a good game last time out. CJ Gunn, Indiana doesn't beat Michigan without him. So it's not that they haven't had their moments. But as we sit here on January 3rd, the resumption of Big Ten play, CJ Gunn is the last guy off the bench. Anthony Leal is now apparently higher than him in the rotation. And Caleb Banks is just so inconsistent. And he's really gotten into this habit of just aimlessly dribbling and picking up his dribble in the worst spots. You know, and it just kind of little things that, you know, you would think is okay, early in your freshman year, okay. But now as a sophomore to still be doing some of that stuff and to just kind of, you know, not feel like he can really get into a rhythm and even defensively. I feel like you're not quite seeing from him, you know, the disruptiveness and some of the development that you would have seen. So, you know, I guess there are a lot of lingering questions for this team, but I think those guys, those two guys continue to be a really big lingering question, not just for now, but for the future of the program, because they're two young guys that don't project as NBA guys that you would hope would develop and kind of become core members of the team. And maybe they still will, you know, I still believe in their talent. But I kind of thought they'd be further along by January 3rd, you know, and they're they're really not. And that was put on display uh, tonight, I thought, in a pretty big way. Yeah, they have the prototypical size um, and length that you want from from those positions, but but they're not producing. So that goes into the development. What's going on at practice? But sometimes those guys develop as juniors too. They may have been just recruits that are going to be ready in juniors. So then the problem comes that there might have been a misjudgment on when they might be ready and an over-reliance on them this year. Um, But yes, those two are really struggling and that that hurts the depth because those are the type – CJ's a catch-and-shoot guy if he could hit. uh, 6'6", long, athletic, good skills on defense, and Caleb is too. But I, I think Caleb might be out of position. He's playing the three, backing up the Mbaco, and and we've heard Mbaco's a better four from the recruiting analyst this summer. Um, and I'm starting to think that Caleb would be a, a good four, set a ball screen, the Anthony Walker role. If you could picture Caleb Banks playing the Anthony Walker role, a six eight slasher when he gets a chance, but Anthony Walker slashing against four fours, uh, and, and Caleb's not, and Caleb's trying so hard. He's like a bull in a china shop sometimes, just running over people and running through people. And, and you know, he had a big shot in that last game. You know, it was a bad shot, but it went in for an and one, and we were down 68-64 to Kennesaw. So sometimes that bull in the china shop works. But, yeah, he he's struggling to guard, running, just running over people on screens. Uh, and, and I just starting to think that, you know, we have a lot of fours and fives on the roster and we're trying to put them out there on the floor together. And and that's what some of us said at the preseason that we're really worried about too many fours and fives and not enough perimeters. And I think it's just starting to, to show up when all of those guys play well, we have a chance to beat Michigan on the road. We have a chance to be in a game against Kansas and we'll have a chance to maybe play against Ohio state. But I think those are the outlier performances right now you know, the outliers are the good performances. These are the regular performances. And I think that's, you know, the CJ gun Michigan game was an outlier. The Louisville game for Caleb Banks is an outlier. I'm not ready to give up on them totally. I think it's a combination of them working hard, but I, but I am starting to question what's going on for the development and the mental approach with those guys. And are they being put in the right positions? I think you have to start questioning everything 
and that's not to ask for anyone's job or to have someone go to the transfer portal. All that talk is nonsense because none of that's going to happen. At, at the end of the year, players will evaluate, but Coach Woodson will be here. Um, we're just asking for that, all this to be better. That's all we're asking for. At least that's what I'm doing. I, I, I want it to be better. But without, but Caleb just is 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 struggle, right? So, um, and no, we got to find point. a way. And, but but it's a good point about him possibly being out of position. We've talked about how CJ sometimes gets put in a bad position of, you know, kind of having to be a go to scorer with the bench lineups, and that maybe has developed some bad habits on him shot hunting. Now he didn't have that, you know, tonight. We we haven't seen as much of that. Um, but some of that stuff could go into you know some of their struggles to develop. Um, and some of it's on them too. You know, it's, we don't, we don't know. We're not there to see what happens in the locker room. Andy, any thoughts on that? And then any other lingering questions for you? I, as it pertains to those guys, I think you just see them. I thought CJ, I wouldn't say shot hunting cause he'd sat the entire game when he came in, but he did take a long two, uh, that we've become accustomed to he did hit that three at the end. Um, and banks, I think has just been. Uh, reckless almost for lack of a better term. I mean, that drive that, that you guys mentioned in the Kennesaw state post game was just kind of a reckless drive. It goes in whatever thought he was that way on defense tonight was one of the guys that fouled a three point shooter uh, closing out. And, and I think, you know, that a lot of different things could be leading to that. I, I don't know if it's just, Hey, this is my moment. I got to go in and try to make something happen and just trying to do too much uh, based on who they're in the game with, based on, just situationally of, Hey, I don't know how much, how many minutes I'm going to get, but I know from the past that if I'm playing well, so if I'm Caleb Banks, I'm going back to the Kennesaw game. I, I got a lot of run because I made some things happen and, and shots bounced my way and, and things went in. Am I going in in those first couple minutes and being like, all right, well, if I'm going to get good minutes, I got to come and do something right away. And then maybe I don't get taken out. Um, I, I don't know. It's all speculation at that point based on how the substitution patterns are and things like that. But I think the positional piece is is probably a fair one. I mean, Banks at this point is five of nineteen from three on the season. He's only thirteen of twenty seven on on twos, and not shooting well from the free throw line. So you got to try to figure out if he's going to be an offensive threat. There's no place on the court that he's shooting the ball very well from right now. Where do you want to get him in a position to do that? If you want him to be a slasher, he's got the same issues that Mbako does. There is no room to slash to the basket on this team no matter what combination of guys you have out there. You saw that a little bit from Anthony Walker tonight. I think it was coach that talked about people are going to start to scout that spin move and start to figure that out. Anthony Walker got bailed out multiple times getting fouls called on reckless drives to the basket tonight because there's no space to be there and he's just running into guys doing that. I, I think it's more of a function of the offense than it is maybe a function of that. But you, you do have to look at it where these guys – like it or not, from a roster construction standpoint, you counted on these guys to take a take a leap. You counted on yourself to be able to get these guys in a position to take a leap, and that hasn't happened to this point with any regularity. Um, so it, it it just at this point you're almost halfway through the season. So can can you really feel confident that that something different is going to happen? You're 14 games into a 31 game regular season. You're almost halfway there. Um, I just don't know what changes, and that's the same thing I go back to with the defense. Like, how do you change this? Can you change this? That's ultimately the lingering question. You have to make changes. I and I saw some of what Coach did it was it, it didn't seem like they were getting sucked in and helping off of guys who 
you know, to try to stop drives that hadn't even begun yet. I didn't see as much of that tonight. There were different breakdowns. Um, but but you hope they don't necessarily go away from, hey, if they think this is a scheme that can work with this, this adjusted scheme can work with this team, you hope they don't throw it out the window after one game and, tr- and try to figure it out and go back to what they were doing before. But, um, you know, how how much of this can you change? How much of the bleeding can you stop at this point of the season? Or, you know, and I think that's ultimately a test to the coaching staff and the players being able to receive and 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 take the coaching of, of whatever the scheme is going to be. But, um, again, all we can go on at this point is who this team has shown itself to be for 14 games. But at, at some point, too, and, and, and I know I'm catching a little bit of flack in, in the chat, um, it does – the questions do come, what's happening in practice? When Anthony Walker is taking those shots game after game after game and Caleb Bank – goes in there game after game after game it's not getting corrected and maybe it's still too young uh, of a season yet and maybe there's a lot of time to correct that and maybe it's on the players but at some point the you made a I love it reckless shots and bad shots shots with guys open at the three-point line for Jared wanting more threes when Indiana shared the basketball against two lesser opponents they scored a lot of points when they drove in and, and drove into traffic and made bad decisions they didn't. And so which team is it and what's getting done, right? And whether you like Coach Woodson or you don't like Coach Woodson, ultimately he's the one in charge. The metrics don't lie. Uh, the Ken Palm numbers and all of that, all the preseason stuff, everyone said, be care, be ready, it'll wash out, it's kind of noisy. They're not very noisy, as noisy as they, they were at the beginning of the year. They're, they're getting pretty solid. Um, we've gotten worse defensively three years in a row. Um, a lot of reasons for it. Maybe X being out and no ball pressure. We've gotten worse defense. Now we're worse offensively. That's that has to be a question. A- and none of us in the chat or none of us here really know the answer. But it ultimately rests with Coach Woodson for roster construction. And if the message is not being heard by the players, that could be on the players, but then the coach has to find a, a different message. And so the program is not headed in the right direction right now. We want it. We want Woodson to be be there. We want to get back to the Sweet 16 in the Final Four. But there have been way more poor performances this year than there have been good performances. And, it, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to have them. But it's just you. we need to start questioning. And, and questioning respectfully, uh, understanding that the kids are human beings and the coaching staff and all of that. But it's year three, and it's time to start questioning because hopefully we have another turnaround like next year and we can just stop the questioning and and say that it's a mid-year slump. It's going to happen every year, but Woodson's really good at the end. Uh, If that's the pattern, then we got to get used to that. But right now, where we're at right now, there are a ton of questions and it's more than getting back to work and we just got to get people over to hump. Um, It's time to, it's time to start listening to people and making some adjustments uh, in, in year three, in my opinion. Well said, Coach. Uh, one last note I will say on C.J. Gunn is it does seem like the shot is coming around a little bit. He's four for his last nine from three. He's actually shooting 30.8% on the season. That is not good, but it is at least progress. And if you can get him you know, to start making some of those shots and he can be a guy that you can rely on for five to seven points off the bench, that would be really big for this team. The question, of course, as you guys have mentioned, is consistency. So you know, do want to point out that we're seeing some, some improvement there, but the improvement has to continue. 
Um, all right. So next show, we'll be back tomorrow night for Assembly Call Radio. Uh, my daughter is having a big sleepover, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be available. I know you three guys are available. We'll see if I am. It kind of depends on how wild things are at the house. Um, should we just talk about Ohio State tomorrow? Does anybody really want to be here, stay up late, previewing Ohio State? It's late, it's late enough for, for me. Let's, I, let's yeah. hold off. We'll talk about Ohio State. They beat Rutgers tonight. They're good. We should beat them at home, but it's going to be a challenge. We'll preview that tomorrow night. Uh, remember to check out our friends at Homefield Apparel. Use the promo code HOME23 at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And I do want to say, uh, Galen and Scott hosted the live watch party uh, tonight for this game. Uh, they had a bunch of guests come in. Austin Render was there, Amanda Foster, Chad Schwartzkopf, Tony Adranya. A lot of people were there. I did not watch just because I was kind of focusing on the game. But I'm very much looking forward to listening to it tomorrow. Uh, even though we lost, it'll still be kind of entertaining. Uh, I did that after the Moorhead State game and found it to be very enjoyable. So even if you didn't listen to that, if you're looking for something to listen to tomorrow and you don't mind reliving a really poor performance, uh, if it's done with friends, then check out our friends at Crimson Cast and a bunch of Back Home Network people uh, on that. It'll be on our YouTube channel, and it'll be in the Crimson Cast podcast feed. Uh, those are fun. Hope to participate in one uh, at some point. Uh, all right, guys, last call. Andy, lead us off. Just a just a disappointing performance. Not necessarily that they lost, um, but if you look back, and we, we texted about this earlier today, if you look back... Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Give the people what they want, Andy. <laughs> uh, well, There's a comment for those listening yeah. on the podcast. I just popped a comment up that says, "Come on, Andy. I only tuned in for your analysis of upcoming Ohio State." <laughs> uh, we got to tease that. Sorry to, to disappoint. Back for the, the next show. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even remember what I was saying. Um, it, you know, I think when you when you looked at Nebraska before, you know, they had posted some decent defensive numbers, but not really against. Uh, not really against the better teams on their schedule. And IU did okay uh, on the offensive end. I had it; at, they were right at one point per possession uh, for the game. And that was with hitting some threes late. Um, so that really probably wasn't very good, given what Nebraska had done against the better teams on their schedule. Um, I think it's possible that IU is not one of the better teams on their schedule to this point, uh, based on how they played uh, tonight. And I, I keep going back to, you know, there's only so many different times we can kind of turn the other way and act like this team isn't the team that they're playing like like they have basically for the balance of the season. Um, and so they can very well come back and respond well to this and, and come back and play well against Ohio State and what should be a good environment at home. Um, but I think everybody, if, even if that does happen, is going to look at the next game with a curious eye as to, well, I'm not sure I'm really going to buy into what's going on. And I think that's reasonable uh, at this point. This team has, again, they've shown us who they are to this point. Doesn't mean they can't change that. The talent is there to change that. But at this point of the season, when, like I said, we're almost halfway through, we're going to be at basically the halfway mark after the game on Saturday. This team has not played well defensively against virtually anyone. Uh, they have, you know, struggled to score against the better opponents on the schedule. Uh, and for a team that has put themselves in a position where they got to win a ton of Big Ten games to really have a legitimate chance to talk about the NCAA tournament, you know, this was a missed opportunity. Uh, there will be other opportunities, but they have to prove they can win on the road, even though they've got that one Michigan win. They've got to be able to win on the road against some of the teams that are, you know, upper half teams of the Big Ten. And so remains to be seen whether they can do that. Um, big bounce back opportunity. 
they've got to get better play out of the guards. Doesn't matter which guards it is. Uh, was great to see Xavier Johnson back tonight, but um, you know he, he came back for another season, and and it has to be something that's better than what we've seen from him so far. Or this team is gonna is gonna flounder. Uh, there's no way around it. They, they, it's just not not enough there. You're asking too much of Trey Galloway to be you know, really more than what he's already trying to do. You're asking too much of Gabe Cups in that situation. We talked about some of the struggles that CJ Gunn has, and Anthony Leal has proven to be a guy who can step in and give you a few minutes a game. But th- this team we talked about needs these perimeter guys to be good because of the way the roster was constructed, and tonight they weren't, and they played poorly as a team and were never really in the game after the early part of the second half. And so he has to figure out how to, you know, play under control, get others involved, that balance that always is there with him of, you know, trying to be aggressive, but but trying to be smartly aggressive and figure out how to set up his teammates and when he needs to score. He didn't figure that out tonight. We can maybe chalk that up to if he comes out and plays really well on Saturday, we chalk today up to rust and move on. Um, hopefully that's what happens because they just have to be a lot better there. I think he got enough out of the front court tonight um, to, to, to be able to win and, uh, we'll see if they can bounce back. It's uh, a refrain we've had many times on the show. It's how they respond to a, a loss will determine what uh, you know, kind of which direction we go from here. So we'll find that out on Saturday. Andy, to your note on Xavier Johnson, I was just looking at his Ken Palm page and looking at some of the player comps for this season so far. Uh, oh. One of them is Josh Newkirk. So that kind of shows you where our, our point guard play is at this point. No, don't mean that as offense to Josh Newkirk, but he was not the kind of point guard that this team needs given the roster construction. So that is a red flag that X needs to turn around coach last call. <clears throat> yeah. You know, it's, you gotta be a little careful uh, of, you know, I, I say this all the time that recency bias, um, uh, you know, X was not good. He's got a lot of way to go. We know he can play better. The question is, is he going to get there? We know Galloway can play better. We know Mbaco can play better. So you ran into a situation where we had three really key players play bad on the road, and you had a a Nebraska team that was playing well and outcoached Indiana. Those things happen. They shouldn't happen to 86-70 and giving up 86 points. That's the telling sign. But, you know, Saturday is an opportunity, and as a a head coach and as a player – you you have to try to learn your lesson and then show up at assembly hall and use the crowd and try to go back and win and you still have your home games to win and then you try to sneak three or four road games it is still there i have a lot of questions i have a lot of concerns i'm not enjoying watching this team all of that is true and it's still true that things can turn around with two or three wins uh, you, you, you win at Ohio state, you somehow find a way to win at Rutgers. You fix the problem. Xavier gets his feet back and his, his rhythm back that there are some things that, but I'm tired of saying, if, you know, at, at game 14, this program should be better. And so I'm hoping by game 15 or 16, our tone is different. And that's all you can do is, is, is show up. I'm, I'm going to drive the two hours and go, um, uh, I'm expecting Indiana to win but they have to play uh, a lot better and it's getting to be a broken record about saying they have to play a lot better and have to, to coach a a lot better. And, um, I'm trying to get mentally prepared saying this is who Indiana is right now. The outliers will be those good performances. 
until we see two or three good performances in a row, which we have not seen with this roster. Yeah, I echo what you guys say. Um, a lot of this comes down to Xavier Johnson. We spent a lot of time in the offseason talking about how important he was for this team. I spent a whole lot of time this offseason getting in debates with people about how good Xavier Johnson was and could be. Uh, and he has not he has not lived up to that. Not only has he not yet lived up to, you know, those of us who bought into, you know, him kind of, you know, really improving from having the time to sit out and he'll be better. He's been worse than he's ever been as a college basketball player. Now, it's fair to give him some time. He was injured last year, playing with a bunch of new teammates. Now he missed some time. Like, there's all these reasons that I think are fair to have some patience. But, you know, he's got to get better and fast. He needs to get better by Saturday against Ohio State. This team is not set up to win at the level that we want to win at, which is going to the NCAA tournament, if Xavier Johnson is anything less than an all-Big Ten level player. It's just not. And so that's what needs to happen. And I hope X has it within himself. We've seen it. We've seen him, you know, get, you know, struggle and then get going in the second half of the season. His, his first time, uh, year in Indiana, he did that. But he's got to do that. And not to make idiots like me look good for what we said in the offseason, but to give this team what it needs from a sixth year lead guard. And he just hasn't done it yet. So again, I'm willing to be patient. I, you know, all those things. But Indiana's running out of time for patience. They need production, and they need it from Xavier Johnson starting soon. And so if he's healthy enough to play, he's got to play better. There's just no other way to put it. And I think it's perfectly fair to be harder on the upperclassmen than the younger guys. You know, he's he's got to do it. He needs to be that guy, and it's got to start Saturday because Indiana really needs a good bounce back Saturday. Um, we've seen him do it. You know, Coach, to your point, you know, Sometimes there are these little, these bad performances, the team rebounds and starts playing better. Hopefully that happens um, because this team cannot afford to take on too much water in big 10 play. They've got to win too many games to be an NCAA tournament team. There's one loss. Now we got to rebound, play better Saturday, get back on a winning track uh, and just start playing better basketball. But it's got to start with Xavier Johnson. He's too important to this team to play like he did before he got hurt and to play like he did tonight. We need better from him. Uh, okay, that'll do it. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com. You can sign up for our free email newsletter. Join our Substack. We'd love to have you in there with us. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you as always for listening, especially the hundreds of you who are up late with us uh, for a late tip. We really appreciate it. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you tomorrow night. Until then. Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Uh, All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Shoot the ball. Here I come. This is done, Sony. Shoot the ball. Hey, I think I, that reminded ball. me. I think Mrs. Tonsoni's having a sleepover as well on, tomorrow night, so I don't know if I'll, <laughs> I'll be available. Are you invited to the sleepover, start- Coach? Well, if I'm on air tomorrow and she starts calling my name, I'm just going to hit the exit button. That's okay. I'm just telling you. That is that is okay. So for everyone out there. That's okay. I think we all have that understanding, right? If, you know, if positive opportunities <laughs> well, pre- present themselves in our marriages, we're allowed to, we're allowed wow, to skip the show, right? It's really unclear where that was going to go. <laughs> it's late, man. You know, Come on, Jen. <laughs> yeah.
Yes. Mrs. Tonsoni kicked you to the basement. I was nice to you tonight. <laughs> oh man. Gosh. Gotta find something to to laugh about. Yeah, we do. It's just you just want it to be better and it's just it doesn't get better. <laughs> nah, it's not right now. I just, it just it sums it up well. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I sit. I sit here taking notes. And I'm just dumbfounded. Uh, what, what to write down? Uh, yeah, I know. Ooh, Andy, are you on uh, doing the work Sunday? Yeah, Kathy's going to the nice. game where hopefully they will perform uh, significantly better than what they did. So yeah, I'm going to be on with Jeff. Should uh, at least be able way, to help me avoid watching the beginning of the Eagles game. So this that's an added bonus. That's nice. That is yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, Eagles, very similar to Indiana, actually. They're winning all these games and playing terribly. And all the Eagles people are like, this isn't good. I didn't, look, this isn't I did good. not want to bring lose. up another. I was and everybody's like, like, shut up. They're 10-1. and one. Yeah. And then here we are. And they look awful. And they're losing games. I was trying to be thoughtful <laughs> of Mike since I brought that analogy up the other time. And he you know, said so he heard enough of it in, in Philly. But I would be lying if I said I did not think there were a lot of parallels between this team and that. Is like you survived a bunch of these games. And largely avoided disaster until, uh, I mean, they lost to the Jets, but, you know, largely avoided disaster. But it's kind of the same thing. You're hanging on, you're papering over a lot of issues on the defensive side. Um, you know, so some guy shows up with a pencil behind his ear trying to fix the defense on Saturday. <laughs> Coach, you get the hell out of there because nothing good is going to happen. <laughs> Not a fan of Matt Patricia, huh? Oh, I mean, yeah, he's done a great job. At least, uh, at least Desai could make second half adjustments. The, the, they actually get worse in the second half under Matt Patricia. So, by the way, the the last thing I want to note, we have to note this, just in the interest of full disclosure. I don't know if you guys all remember from the off season when Ryan took over the Twitter account for a couple of days and was debating with Alex Bozich and Dylan Burkhart about their top twenty five list and how they had <laughs> Kase Tomanaga higher than Xavier Johnson. Man, I bet he feels like a real idiot tonight. Make you know being so public with those opinions that have proven to be. I couldn't so believe poor. Ryan did that either. I can't believe Ryan did that. I mean, just that's the last time we turned the Twitter account over to him. I, I mean, I talk about reckless stuff. We talked <laughs> just, about that earlier. I mean, that was just equally really just dumbfoundingly stupid. Equally reckless. We, but you're gonna have really. To talk I appreciate. To Ryan about... I appreciate Kase rubbing it in his face all night tonight, though. Really, really was enjoyable. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, that, hey, if you guys that was obviously me. I'm I'm kidding. That was not Ryan. That was me. And that was never a negative on Casey Tomonaga, who I love. That kid plays hard. He's a great shooter. I just believed more in X, and I'm hoping that he can still pay off that belief as we go down the stretch. Hey, we didn't mention the X's and Joe's stuff. Hey, man, those guys got me thinking. That's a good show, man. It's. I mean, I knew it would be good, but there, it's better than I thought it was. I'm biased. But check out X's and Joe's. They just did uh, another show about chip stacks and coach honeymoons, which is pretty relevant for the Indiana program right now because the honeymoon seems to have ended, uh, and it's debatable where the chip stack is. Uh, anyway, if, if it's those a little terms bit don't less. mean anything, it's a little bit less. If those terms don't mean anything, it's a little bit to less. Their show. It's it really is great. It really is good. Mike two and, good, Mike and Bob two do a great fantastic job. guys um, as yes. as well. As I had a chance to talk to them, uh, do a little mic check or whatever we had to do the other day and just outstanding, um, you know, just good work. It's good work. It is good stuff. Subscribe to X's and Joe's search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys.
I would listen to it on audio because both of those guys aren't very cute to look at. I was trying to eat lunch the other day Jeez. and had their faces up on YouTube, and, and it just I, it didn't go well. Coach Moats, especially. Man, Coach Moats. He's got a he's got a face for podcast <laughs> audio podcast. Jeez, man, Coach is just lashing out. Yeah, now. I mean. You know the guy's just now recovering from Indiana's poor performance, and he's got to he's got to take some <laughs> some stray shots here at the end of the podcast. <laughs> hmm. uh, we support those guys, uh, but no, awesome. those guys are really, really, really good. Uh, Can't let them get too big ahead; they'll be taken over. That's true. That is true. Right? Got to knock them down before they get too big. That's, I know they were top one hundred on the basketball charts, which they were very they were very proud of. Yeah. Yeah, we already have we already have Ryan with the big head. Can't have anybody else. All right. Well, happy Tomanaga night, everybody. Have a great, <laughs> See have you a tomorrow. great night. And we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow.